All right, welcome to the Untitled Movie Podcast. We are back in the building. Ravy Rave, how you doing? Good evening. I'm doing quite well. How are you? Good, good, good. I can't complain. I can't complain. Uh, we had uh do like two pauses on this one because uh Scott has uh got some issues with this film. Go ahead, uh Scott. How you been doing before you you jump into your general description before we jump into the movie? Oh man, doing good, man. You know, chilling, trying to stay warm around here. Yeah, we're not in Texas, so that's all you know. Yeah, shout out to Texas. I was reading that people are like not wanting to move to te- like te- they said this could be catastrophic for people moving like the whole like Texas expansion. Yeah, I mean, you have three million people being out of power. That does that. <laughs> and look, yeah, yeah, they power no grid. It had their own power grid. Like that, what that they? I guess that I guess that they've been. They they've had less power than people for like the last two decades, but like they just hope that everybody doesn't turn their power all on at the same time, but charging everybody. So they're basically making money on less power than they can provide for all the people of the state. Yeah, that's crazy. And they use Mexico sometimes. They'll be like, "Yo, can we use some of y'all power grid real quick?" Yeah, I mean, and then hey, West hey. Texas is got on got on New Mexico's power grid five years ago. They were uh, like El Paso and stuff. They were like, no, nah, we good. We we <laughs> we finna get on this other power grid. Hey, look, gamb- gambling is all fun and games until you lose. <laughs> <laughs> and when you lose big, huh? <laughs> right. yeah. hey, you bet that rent, that mortgage payment, <laughs> all of a sudden, now it's a problem. But yeah. hey, when you flipped it a few times, you thought, oh, this ain't nothing. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, everybody do this. Well, because sometimes. Hey, you ain't lying, cause they flip that mortgage payment a whole bunch of times. Like, man, we do this every month. Right, that's the that's the way to live, you know. Like this, it's splurging on the other half. Right. <laughs> then when you crap out, and all of a sudden you scratching your head. Now, <laughs> all right, we are reviewing uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, Scott, going. You had issues at the beginning. Let's let's go and get out the way with the film. Yeah, so I'm, before you even watched. Yeah, so I mean, I don't, uh, I don't want to be that guy, but I am in fact that guy. And so, <laughs> you know, I have a. There, I'm not necessarily particular about non ADOS actors playing roles in Hollywood. Like that doesn't bother me, but I do think that there are certain certain biopics that we need to be mindful of how important they are to a demographic of the audience and you know uh you know uh harriet tubman and martin luther king and fred hampton it's like those 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 characters and those people their histories mean a lot more to one demographic of the audience to another and just simply having the same skin complexion um isn't good enough and i find it interesting that you know we take an actress um uh, for the nina simone biopic uh, she wasn't, she didn't have the right complexion. And so people had an issue with someone playing, as much as I love Nina Simone, I have eight of her albums right behind me, but you know, she's a singer, she's an entertainer. And so the, to get, the, to have that same level of integrity about the her complexion being important enough in her biopic, but then to have, have people, you know, uh, you know, particularly when they came out with the Harriet Tubman biopic, she had never even heard of Harriet Tubman before. And I think that that plays 
I think that plays an important role in, you know, how those stories get told and the impact that they have by, by having them played by actors who grew up knowing, uh, you know, who these people were, you know, what their stories were, what their struggles were and what it meant to, you know, what their sacrifices meant to really all of us at large. I mean, some, I mean, these, these are the bodies that laid the groundwork that allows people of color from other nations to come here and get, you know, Title IX scholarships and get minority-based loans and to get, you know, access to funds that were fought and died for by these, you know, these other, you know, historical figures. And so I think that I really had, a, it took me a long time to actually get up the energy to watch it knowing that, you know, Fred Hampton wasn't being portrayed by an Adolf's actor. Raven, what do you think about uh, Scott's thoughts? Um, about Scott's thoughts or about the movie or both? Oh, Scott's thoughts and then we're gonna jump into the movie. Sure, um, I'm not, I'm on the other end of the spectrum <laughs> with about British actors and actresses playing American figures. I have a real issue with um, cultural appropriation um, and white actors playing black characters like when Joseph Fiennes played Michael Jackson or when Angelina Jolie played, um, I'm forgetting her name now, but the, the black woman whose husband was killed in Pakistan. Oh yeah, and, uh, <clears throat> you talk about, and then you know, in uh, uh, Pay It Forward, that kid was gonna be a black kid too in the original book. Yeah, I mean, there's countless examples. Um, so I have a real issue with, and I had an issue with um, Zoe Saldana playing Nina Simone, um, but we're talking about black people um, playing black people. And you know, when we're talking about this movie. Um, and I'm not as bothered that Daniel Kaluuya doesn't have the same nationality. That doesn't mean that he does not have a black experience that includes oppression. Um, so I'm just not as concerned about it. Um, out of all the stuff I've seen him in, this was his best performance. I thought he portrayed Fred Hampton very well. I didn't think he did a disservice to uh, Fred Hampton or his story. So I was not concerned at all that um, he's a British actor playing an American. Can, can I ask you a question though? Sure. So, so what was your issue with Zoe Saldana playing another American entertainer then? So Zoe Saldana, from my understanding from reading a lot of her interviews is that she doesn't identify as black at all. She identifies more as Latina. So somebody who doesn't even um, recognize the black experience as a part of her life playing a dark skinned black man who that was very much a part of her identity that bothers me you know it's a little bit more than just acting there okay yeah i'm i'm, I'm in the middle uh <laughs> uh actually um uh, i i think it's a case-by-case -case basis <laughs> of like what the actor is and what they're bringing to it like every interview i read with dave i mean not dave you know, um oh man i blinked out um the guy that played Fred Hampton. Why can't I just think of his name now? Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya. And he, he knew about everything about Fred Hampton and stuff from like high school. And like, um, if you all ever get a chance, there is a show on Showtime. It got uh, stopped. Uh, it's on the Black Panthers in London. And like how the Black Panthers were, you know, they had a chapter in London. So I didn't have necessarily issues. I do have issues with it when like in the Cynthia Revo situation with Harriet. That was just, I mean, the, the movie was, that movie was a shit show to me in general. Um, yeah. Just a bad movie overall. And that the fact she didn't know anything and all that just, you have a mm -hmm. thin line, you have a thin line if you don't have any consciousness about what it is with these people and who they are and what their, their film is. And that's where it is. Um, even if like, and with, going with Raven, actually I'm probably more a Raven then because 
if you go with even the Zoe Saldana thing, even if she was a black person portraying Nina Simone and didn't know who she was and didn't respect her accordingly, I would feel the same way. So it really doesn't depend on the British to me. It's like how, how they represent the person. Right. What research did they do? Mm-hmm. How much did they learn about the act or the, the character's life? Yeah, you know, did they tell appropriately? But I think, man, and, and that's where that's where, and I admit that you know that's my bias is that that these aren't characters; these are actual historical figures whose sacrifices wind up leading and paving the way for monumental change that happened, you know, f- for our benefit in the country. So you'd and, been okay if, like, if Cuba Gooden Jr. played um, uh, Fred Hampton just because he was American black? I, mean, I would be more okay. And, and here's the thing. I, I don't suspect that Cuba Gooden was saying that either. I'm just saying. No, right. And I'm I'm saying that I I just on the on the left on the surface level, yes. And again, I don't there's not a there's not a ton of people that fall into this category. Like I don't think I don't I wouldn't feel the same way about someone playing Barack Obama, you know, but because I feel like at the time Barack Obama became president, the world knew who he was, the, the world understood who he was on the stage. What wound up happening historically in America immigration by non-whites in America before 1964 was virtually zero. Mm -hmm. So it was the actual implementation of the civil rights movement that allowed, you know, uh, people of color from other countries, you know, free travel to come to this country. So it's not as if, you know, the simple fact is that, yeah, we're all black today, but in 1963, we weren't all black. It was, you know, you were black in your country, you're black in America, and it was primarily just Adolf's people, you know, on that front line. It wasn't you know, it wasn't this you know, rainbow coalition of just people of color from all over the country because it wasn't until that fault had been won and that battle had been won that that immigration policy that allowed other people of color to come over here and actualize their version of the American dream. So I think that being co- conscious of you know those things and how we got to this point, I mean, you know, I, I, for his credit, I think he did a good job. I'm not saying he did a poor job. I just feel like if you tell me you're doing a biopic of Martin Luther King and it's not an American black person doing it, it, it just rubs you the wrong way. Just so just if it was Lance Gross playing um, uh, Fred Hampton, it'd have been okay. Uh, I'm not familiar with Lance Gross. Who was that? Lance Gross, the actor. Yeah, I don't, I don't know people's names that way. Uh, I mean, I mean, see, he only he was in a whole bunch of Medea stuff. That's that's kind of what I don't know. Yeah, lost me there. Yeah, I've never. I've oh, never you don't know who Lance Gross is either, Raven. I do know who Lance Gross is. But oh, okay. <laughs> if Medea is the credit that you're giving him, right? But no. but I'm saying, but he said it doesn't matter as long as it's a black American person, like you know. I don't think that's what Scott's saying. I think he'd still want a good actor to play, yeah. to play the character. Well, I'm, not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying I would have done a better job. I'm just saying, oh. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was. I'm not familiar enough with his work. Uh, I'm not saying I would have done a better job just because I'm. An and I'm not hating on you, Lance. Character. I'm not hating on you, Lance. I'm just saying I'm just throwing out there random actors. Like I'm just saying I'm saying there's an entire country full of black people who could a- adequately play, who could adequately, who could ad- there are enough actors from Chicago who could adequately portray, you know, the intensity of Fred Hampton, you know, uh, in the '70s, you know, having grown up and seen that and experienced that, and I feel like that experience has has some value. And again, I'm not saying that this applies to every black person that's ever lived in America. I am saying that there are a few that, you know, that, you know, on that Mount Rushmore of blackness that if, if a, if a, if a, if a, if a, a black person from Wales plays Malcolm X, I'm gonna feel a type of way. Like I just am, you know, <laughs> like I just, I'm just gonna feel a type of way about it, you know, you know just. Not a lot of Walsh brothers, but I get your point. Exactly. 
Yeah, I actually, I mean, I thought about this um, and who, what black actor, a black American actor would have, would do I think, uh, sorry, I had some drinks before this, I can't talk. What black American actor would have played him well? Um, and I actually like Ashton Sanders, who was in the movie playing Jimmy Palmer. Mm -hmm. um, but I just don't think that he has enough experience. And he's not old but enough. I was, he's not old enough, it feels like to- No, so Fred that's was what I was- young, no, Fred was only 21. That's I know, but I mean, but like still you kind of gotta have somebody that acts older. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't, so that, mm, I don't know. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if we want to talk about truly portraying who Fred Hampton was, then why not get an actor who was also the age that he was so that you can appreciate how intelligent he was to be that young. What's and my guy from they, uh, Waves, uh, Ra Raven? From Waves? Oh, um, from Waves and... Uh, he Shoot. oh in a uh, 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 loose uh, lucid or lucid yeah loot uh my god why am I forgetting that dude could, what about him he might have been good oh, too Calvin Harrison Jr yeah he would he could have been good didn't he play him in the, um, the uh, seven the uh, trial of the seven or whatever I still yeah. haven't seen that um, yeah, he played really Stanton in there oh he did I would I don't know I would have thought y'all would say he was too light skinned um he, I thought he was too old but he was uh, he was good really? <laughs> how old is Calvin Harrison Jr is not that old no he's he got to be no more than twenty five. Really? Yeah. Did you see Waves, uh, Scott? Not Waves, but I saw the uh, trial of the, the Chicago Seven. Yeah, Lou, and uh, yeah, he's only he's got to be no more than twenty five. Let me see. I'm gonna look it up to be sure because I agree with Scott. He does look a little bit older. Um. But yeah, so let, let's talk. Who else do you think could have played him? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I thought Lakeith Stanfield could have played him. So uh, Lakeith Stanfield originally thought he was going to play. Yeah, that's what he thought. He thought he exactly. Thought <laughs> yeah, he he, yeah, when he got the script, he's like, oh, you know, I'll be playing Fred Hampton. And, you know, the Lucas brother's like, no, you'll be playing O'Neal. And he said, what the fuck? You know, I hate that dude. How am I supposed to do this? Kelvin right. Harrison Jr. is 26 years old, which means oh. he's, I think, the same age as Daniel Kaluuya. No, Daniel Kaluuya's 31. <laughs> oh, is he? Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, Lakeith Stanfield is younger. Lakeith Stanfield is 29, I think, something like that. He's 90 or 91, something like that. Yeah, 29. He's 29. Yeah. Yeah, but the, his character was only 17. Yeah, I so know. I, I know. So I think it would have been interesting to see younger actors play these characters, so or these people, so that we could truly appreciate their, their youth and intelligence. But what's interesting is I think these are the younger Black actors right now to a certain extent, because we back in the day, we would have saw Denzel play Fred, like those are in our our minds are trained for those old Don Cheadle would have played um uh 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 uh, uh Lakeith's role and yeah. we would have been like oh yeah that's 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 standard that's what we gonna do I think these are the next younger actors <laughs> that's the funny thing and that's the thing I thought it was cool about it that there was no actors that people really knew that were in there besides uh, Daniel Kaluuya really Even, I mean I think he's no more and more names. I think yeah. you. Yeah, I think don't you think I think Danny Kalu's more no mainstream than Lakeith is, right? Because he I don't know. A lot of white people like it out. I was thinking, yeah, and, and, like and don't forget, and also you know uh, Atlanta too. You know, so there's there's a completely different segment of the audience who's going to follow yeah. him because of you know. And then you know Atlanta has um, uh, Childish Gambino, so you know he has a different following than you know a lot of you know mainstream artists do. So. Kalu's got get out. He's got get out. And so is Lakeith in there too. But then, then Kalu's got what was the movie uh with the wives in it with um, the kitchen was that is that the kitchen the one with um, Viola oh, Davis yeah. in it? Hated that movie. Yes. <laughs> so horrible. Watching Viola Davis and Liam Neeson kiss. 
no chemistry. Like, no, no chemistry. Hey, we're supposed to believe this. And we know Liam Neeson is still alive. He ain't going to be in any movie for five minutes. <laughs> that ain't part of his, his contract. <laughs> <laughs> all right, overall, what did you all think about the film? Ladies first. I thought the film itself was, was good. Um, sadly, this is not a story that I was too familiar with. I remember learning about it briefly in African-American history in college and thinking, well, that's fucked up. Um, so it was, it was intense. It was really intense. I watched it on Saturday night with my boyfriend, my white boyfriend, the night before Valentine's Day. Anytime I watch anything racially charged, I'm just mad at <laughs> No rational reason. Um, and <laughs> I mean, I was upset afterwards. And like, I wanted to do all this research and watch every interview. And he was like, it was just a movie. And I was like, fuck you, no, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> This really touched me like this this hurt yeah um so i mean that's how the how it responded to the movie um like i said before daniel i think this was his best performance ever i think he gets better with everything that he does um but i was really impressed with him um i was impressed with how he adopted for its accent it's i mean his cadence of speaking everything i thought he did an awesome job um look keith did excellent too um he said he had to seek therapy afterwards i can see why yeah um no, I thought it was very well done. Um, even like Martin Sheen, I'm like, his role was so tiny, um, you know, but he did a he did a great job of portraying Henry Ford. Um, yeah, Jesse Plemons, who I'm a, a big fan of too, um, I thought did an awesome job. Yeah, the story was intense, man. And it, it hit me in the heart. And um, I know Scott was pissed off last week. <laughs> That's why we couldn't watch. Last night, I'm sorry, and I, and I did it. Um, yeah, yeah, it was it was hard to watch, but very good. Scott, I mean, I thought the movie was well done. I mean, I, I think it, you know it hit all the emotional points that you know they the targets that they were attempting to hit. I think they did an excellent job on that. I you know with all my complaints about you know his country of origin, I think Daniel did an amazing job you know in his portrayal. You know to Raven's point with the accent and cadence. Um, I mean, I, I thought the, I thought the movie was overall. Know, really well done. I can't think of, uh, you know, any uh, dull spots or, or 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 missing notes from an acting perspective. Um, you know, I thought you know the 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 story moved along at a really nice pace and progression. You know, like it, you know, it, it, it will emotionally charge you, then it back off of it. You know, enough for you to catch your breath. So I mean, I think it was a really good movie. Um, uh, you know, but again, you know, it hits all those notes and those sensitive parts. You know, in our culture and it, you know, it kind of brings it all back you know in the forefront and as horrible as it is to see you know this de depiction of the violence that happens in the 70s and you look around you go it's not much different you know <laughs> like those that, that expectation you know isn't much different than it was back then and so for all the progress we've made we haven't really come that far because in 2020 people are rising in the streets for what the police and their treatment of People of color, particularly ADOS, uh, you know. So it's you know, what you know, forty years later, and we're still pretty much forty-five years later, we're still pretty much the same place we were then. Well, I have to say first of all that I hated this movie and loved it at the same time. So y'all gonna probably be like, why did I hate it? The reason I hated it is that me and Teddy wrote this script six years ago, literally. Really. This exact movie, you're damn near. A lot of. Get it out. So, but we the the difference was me and, when me and Teddy came from the the angle of it because I learned about this guy when I was like in like 
like high school, like into high school, I heard about Paul Neal. And then, because I, I saw, so background, the guy that did Eyes on the Prize went to Slu High. So like they used to make us watch it. <laughs> whatever watched he, it in high school too yeah, yeah so they made us watch it and i was and i remember this dude oh i was like yo and then you then you research and find out because you know back then you for as younger listeners you had to go to the library and go look up the paper mm-hmm. to see like what happened to this person and you find out that he runs in traffic to kill himself and that was the second time he tried mm-hmm. that he tried to kill himself by running in the traffic um and everybody knows about Chicago. He's in Maywood in the 1990s. That's like being in North County in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a upscale black area where people are kind of trying to be openly mobile, you know, middle-class uh, section. And so it's like, what was his mental gymnastics that he was going through? Cause he was in witness protection for a while. Then him and his wife leave it, they get divorced. He has a nine month year old son when he kills himself. So that kid right now is 39 years old, 38 years old, or no, 31 or 32 years old now. So we were we were coming from the perspective of everything was going to be from O'Neill's perspective. So everything it was going to, the, the film's going to start with him getting hit by the car and mm-hmm. like and like going into a whole thing of like, I'm going to tell you why I'm laying here dead. And then it was going to go into his story about how he became a snitch. Because that's, <clears throat> he was a snitch longer than that mm-hmm. after Fred Hampton died. So mm-hmm. we were going to go into like him continually snitching, like not just Fred, but his continual snitching uh, throughout the whole time. So that's why I hated it. But I really loved it at the same time. Um, I just hated it. That was a personal thing. But what, I thought it was, what was the name of your movie going to be? We didn't have a title. It was going to be called O'Neill. Uh, I think you can still do that story. I mean, this would have been great. Yeah, yeah I think I you. Mean, still, we still have it written. I mean, we still. Yeah, no, you can still do that story because it. I mean, I would like to see something from his perspective and you know the work that he did as an informant even after Fred Hampton's death. And I understand he was haunted and he committed suicide, but it. You don't see that, like no. it, what? <laughs> and they didn't see show that he was a, still a snitch. Like it had been kind of dope. Me and Teddy was arguing about it, but uh, back we re-argued about our script after watching this. Cause he's like, man, they should have shown a scene with him showing back up at the office right after Fred getting killed. Like, dang, I heard what happened. And like, yeah. he's continuing on to be this snitch. Mm-hmm. Like they made it look like he just got this gas station on the west side of Chicago and he was good, he was living. Right. Yeah, at what point is he actually affected by what he did, like in his life? You know, I'd, I'd love to see his story about that. Yeah, and it's not a lot of information out there about him. So we was gonna make up shit, you know, like about like <laughs> what we thought that he went through. Um, Maybe we'll edit that part out of this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <When you can. laughs> no. <laughs> but I mean, there was a, I mean, <laughs> yeah. But I, the, the, the uh, only it was a great movie. That it was uh, to me, but it, it has some missing uh, pot pot points. Historically, it was some stuff that was was wrong. Um, the the nineteen seventy murder at the New Haven, Connecticut. That was in nineteen seventy, not nineteen sixty nine. So that all that stuff that happened with that panther that came from New Haven, that didn't happen at all because it, it couldn't have happened because it happened in 1970. That whole thing happened in 1970. And the ill thing about that guy was he literally, he's still in jail. That guy did get locked up. He was trying to say that Bobby Seale directed him directly to kill this guy. But everybody that did kill the killer was like, no, he said told us to go kill this guy. So nobody really knows if he was a uh, FBI plant and like nobody really kind of knows. So they took a lot of, uh, and that's fine with that. We're taking some liberties with uh, that character with that. Now that was like one of my only like, histor- one of my small historical issues. 
Well, it's an event that happened, just not the timing of it. Right, right, right. And because it, it made it feel like, I, I get why they put it in there because it showed like, oh, and he wasn't the only snitch in the Black mm -hmm. Panther Party. And that was, I think that was what, that was being used to, uh, to convey or whatnot. Yeah. So uh, what did you guys think about everybody's performances? Lakeith, well, you said, you already said yours. I, I think Daniel Kalula's performance was on point. Like, I think it was totally A1. And another part of the reason I loved his performance is Fred Hampton Jr. was on the set every day of them filming this movie. Oh, so really? that's a part of me was like, if he was on the set every day and they let this, and his mom was on the set every other day because she was she's older, Mm -hmm. Ah man, I kind of got to rock with it, and I can't really give it any discredit. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, did, I wasn't aware of that. So yeah, Fred Hampton Jr. was on a set every day, <laughs> and the crazy thing is, Ryan Coogler met him before he blew up. So like, uh, uh, Fred Hampton Jr. was in Oakland, like doing some the community work. Ryan Coogler was in graduate school, and it was like, hey, what's up, man? And they just talked for a long time, and then you know, Black Panther dropped. Then he was like, oh, I can go back and do this because now I got some clout. And Fred Hampton's like, yo, I, yeah, I remember you from the organizing and blah, blah, blah. And you know how Ryan Kukul's talking, you know, dope. You know, I saw him in there thing, you know what I mean, around the way, you know. And I just saw him just go get some macaroni. You feel me? You feel me? And that's what basically what happened. And Fred Hampton Jr. was on board. And it took them, because he's wow. an executive producer of it. So it took them six years to do this. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It was a long time. Because they, they said so many, they said so many worse scripts than that out of there. Because I guess the biggest thing that people were trying to say was that it was, I guess people would have hated me and Ted's movie because people were like, this is supposed to be more about Fred Hampton. But I thought that was the whole point. This is not a Fred Hampton biopic. That's true. It doesn't say Fred Hampton story. It's Judas yeah. and the Black Messiah. Yeah. So that's that was kind of, you know, my kind of general thoughts, especially when other people were talking about, oh, it's, you know, it's about the snitch. That was the point of the film to me, was to be about from the snitch's perspective. And that was the only thing that maybe since me and Ted did a lot of research, I just wanted to show more of his anguish with it. And he was a very big capitalist. I wanted to show more of his demonic, not demonic, his like, yo, I'm a, it did a little bit showing he was about that bread, but I mean, like he was about that bread for real. Like he was like, okay, well, if you want me to do this, yeah, almost like a list. They said, I was reading like each one of these different things I'll do is a different price for him. <laughs> like mm -hmm. a menu of snitching. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, so the, the Lucas brothers had an interesting interview with Lakeith about this because they're like, think now, um, if a 17 year old young man, like living during the civil rights era when there aren't like a whole lot of options, you're faced with going to prison and the feds offer you a deal, what are you going to do? And they're going to pay you. <laughs> and they're going to pay you. What are you going to do? You think you don't have any other options? You're 17 years old. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as I heard the, uh, and the, uh, side note, the Lucas Brothers writing this was amazing to me. That that uh, turn from them being like stand-up comedians yeah. and like uh, comedic writers to that, like it had me, made me change my whole perspective as uh, respect for them. Um, mm -hmm. I had to double take when I saw their name and the, I'm like, no, what, those are, oh, I was like, it must be some white guys they call the Lucas Brothers, right? And I, I was like, oh, it's the real Lucas Brothers. Yeah, what did I know they did, they did like 22 Jump Street. Like, what yeah, and then um, if you guys ever watch um, uh, uh, Sherman Showcase, y'all ever watch that? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, you know, there was a dude in the boat, uh, the, uh, the boat. Uh, that's my story. <laughs> have no, you ever watched The Raven? I have not. No. You, Raven, watch Sherman. It's basically a parody of Soul Train. Yeah, it's hilarious. Oh, okay. All right. It's hilarious. It's, it's uh, hilarious. 
<laughs> so they do the performances, everything. Like it's literally like Soul Train. But like a I mean, it's a parody. It's a Don Cornelius guy, you know. Um, so you you are no you know Diallo Reed, the writer, light skinned dude with the big fro. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's one of the writers on there. I mean, he's on one of the writers. He was on that show with Marlon. Marlon, obviously, he was Marlon. Um, but no, the Lucas brothers are on there with uh what's the name of that song, that boat song on there, man, that they own, man. That, that song's hilarious. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> my memory's terrible, but <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember the boat song, man. But uh the Sherman Showcase is a definitely a must-see. Like it's must-see yeah. Like it's real. It's a whole Spotify playlist on just the songs you can listen to. Sherman okay. Showcase on the list. Yeah. Um, when I first started watching and I saw Martin Sheen, I'm sorry, I think I said Harry Henry Ford earlier because I've been drinking. <laughs> Jagger Hoover that he was playing um and it, it had a whole departed feel at first and he was also in the departed and so yeah that's where my mind went in the beginning of the movie but another actor that really impressed me what is her name um Dominic Fishback is that mm -hmm. her name yeah um, yeah that really threw me for a loop because she played a 14 year old in Powers yeah and <laughs> she was in that horrible ass movie The Hate You Give um oh that's right she was in that <laughs> Yeah, Daryl and I hated that movie. We understand the rest of the country and it hated it. Um, but yeah, no, she's doing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of her. I act like I know her, but I'm proud of her. She did a great job playing Deborah Johnson. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. she looks just like her too, damn near. They had her looking. If you look at the pictures of his mother, I mean, Fred Hampton Jr.'s mother, like they damn near look just alike. Uh, so yeah, I saw in the interview that um, Fred Hampton Jr. was on set. Did uh, Deborah Johnson, did she participate too? She came by every now and then. She wasn't much because she's a little oh. bit older. Um, you know, she's you know, older and she was like, she couldn't make it to set every day. Did you Fred ever, Hampton Jr. was there every day. Did you ever see her in the uh, the Deuce? Is it, is it Deuce yeah, she one? plays one of the uh, the hookers on the Deuce. Yeah. 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 I always really get, you know, I always get her and Cynthia Revo like mixed up when I visually see them. Because I thought that was her in uh, what was the... Uh, the uh, battle with the uh, the was the Royal one night one bad night at the Royale Hotel. Did y'all ever see that? Mm -mm. Where it's, uh, it was like twelve different people come to a hotel one night and everybody don't make it out type thing. It's that no. it was actually pretty sounds good. familiar, but I don't know I don't know about it. Name. It was, uh, was it good. It sounds good. It was good. No, it was good. It was good. It's, and, it, okay. and it's not like a action. It's action, but it's more drama action. Kind of think of it like a Usual Suspects kind of feel to it, but just yeah. in a hotel. So all these characters making hotel and it's money there, and then like all this stuff happens. But um, I I get the, I get them confused. Her and Cynthia Revo, they got the same as that kind of look to me. Yeah, okay. um, both good. <laughs> so what do you so what do you all uh, think about the direction in here uh, from um, what's the brother's name? Uh, Shaka King. Greg, you wanna go first? I mean, I thought it was great. Um, based on the performances and portrayals that we've talked about, I thought it was great. It's bad times at the El Royale Hotel, if anybody wants to, if, at the El, El Royale, if y'all want to check it out. Okay. okay. Um, I think, I think, I mean, um, I think the direction was like super, super good, especially the colors and the way the, a lot of the shots were um, in a lot of the scenes, like uh, particularly when he was like running and he's the, the 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 shot, and he's trying to run and trying to get in the car, and then it looks up, and the guy puts the knife in the top of the sunroof to yeah. cut it open. Like those little small things like that um, was good. And it, surprise, I think this is his brother's first uh, feature film as well. 
Well, I didn't know that. Um, I, I thought the direction was really good. I mean, I, he had a, a lot of homages to Spike Lee and some of his panning scenes, uh, particularly in the, the final scene when he pans through that one single pan through the apartment. Uh, it it kind of felt like, you know, the reverse of that Spike Lee, uh, you know, that Spike Lee rolling pan, you know, he mm -hmm. does. And so um, I got that, that was, at least to me, you know, kind of had similarities and kind of an homage to Spike Lee at some points. I think he did a really good job with the, the pacing of it. I think, you know, um, you know, the kind of setups, uh, you know, he didn't really spend a lot of time uh, with, you know, Lakeith Stanfield's actual turmoil, but he kind of brought it to the forefront every time he met up with uh, Jesse, what's his last name? Clemens. Clemens, yeah, thank you. Um, but every time they met up, he showed how that relationship escalated from both ends, you know, so from on one end, you know, there's a, this a continual pressure um, from, you know, from, from Lewis uh, to, you know, to be, do more and more and more for the FBI. And then he's, and then Clemens is also getting this pressure from the FBI to get more and more and more. And then they both kind of have the stalemate when they're with each other and, and which battle of wheels wins. You know, if at the beginning of it, it was much more, um, more to Lewis's, I guess, edge because he, he's talking about the money he's getting. He's talking about, you know, why you gotta pay me and you know, what he's willing to do and you know, get me out of here. And then toward the end, he realizes he's on the hook and, you know, he doesn't really have any of the leverage that he thought he had in the first place or that Clemens is actually um, playing more better poker by that point in time, realizing who he was dealing with and how vulnerable he was to the situation that he found himself in. And so I thought he did an excellent job with, you know, with, without a lot of words, without a lot without hitting you over the head with it, showing that kind of tension, that increased tension up to the, uh, up to the point where it burst. And I think that's why he also ended the movie the way he did, because it, it gave a really good parallel to how that relationship was established at the beginning to what how it culminated at the end if you go back and still have him snitching you know for another you know several years then it kind of takes away from the tension that he built throughout the movie yeah, that that. yeah. So, yeah. it's newly weeds is his other movie too though y'all that shaka king did if y'all ever saw newly weeds i haven't seen that either but the uh couples with weeds with weed it, was, it came out 2013 i i saw it but i i vaguely very vaguely remember it there was a show he did call High Maintenance too that I watched a couple episodes of. Okay, okay, I'm gonna see. Yeah, I'm gonna check out some more of his stuff. Um, and you were you were mentioning uh, Clemens. Uh, that I guess Clemens. they call. Um, that's uh, that actor's name is. He's a, Jesse Clemens. Yeah, Jesse Clemens. They call they call they call him Fat Matt Damon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause he even talks like Matt. Damon. I know, but they call him Fat Matt Damon. He he killed it in here to me though. Like he was good. Like was we gotta quit calling him Fat Night Matt Damon. Lights. He was in Friday Night Lights, right? Was he in Friday Night Lights? I don't think so. I think he was in Friday Night Lights. I think he was the. I think he was one of the actual. He's in Varsity Blues. Varsity Blues. That's what he was. Yeah, he's in Varsity Blues. And he was one. He was one of the few actual children that was in that movie. Like everyone else were adults playing. Yeah, like growing. Everybody was thirty. And like, right. Yeah. Like, like, he was high school. Exactly. He was the one actually still uh, age appropriate. Yeah. That was ill is that the character Clemens uh, uh, that he plays is 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 in the movie Mississippi Burning too. Really? Oh, that same FBI. That same FBI agent is in Mississippi burning. Oh, wow. So it's like they share a universe because that's what he talks about at the beginning when he's talking about three people that in Mississippi that were killed. His character is the one that boasts, is one of the characters that bust open the case in Mississippi. Ah, in Mississippi okay. Burning. Yeah, because people, people don't know that 
J. Edgar Hoover hated black people, but he just hated anything that was like not in the middle. So he hated the KKK. He hated all of them. He just he had he had snitches all over it. Any if you had an organization for the for the PTO, he had a a, a snitch in the PTO at your high school. I mean, I mean, they say that they say that, but the KKK is still around, you know. <laughs> is it? Yeah. I mean, is it the Black Panther Party still around too? And we say, is it too? Well, it was reestablished. I'm saying the KKK. I mean, there's probably they, you can I mean, probably get more people at your house than the KKK can nationwide. I don't believe that. That are card carrying members. Do you remember America before January 20th? No, 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 no. But you're saying card carrying KKK members. I'm talking about card carrying, not just racist people. I'm talking about card carrying Ku Klux Klan members. There are not a lot in this country left. I think you're not going to know about them, but I think they're still there. You think there's a lot more card carrying? That's a different than card carrying. Yes, I do. I just think it's secret. Okay. I just think they're racist, but just not. Or they call themselves QAnon. That could be that too. I'm just saying. So by many names, they are. Yeah, but no, uh, Jacob Hoover definitely had a fascination more with the Black Panther Party um, and Black uh, liberation in general. Uh, That's because he thought we were closer to communism than any other group of people. He thought that if we got communists, that it would just spread. That's what he claims. Some people, there's some conspiracies that say he was part Black. No, Google it. No bullshit. No, no, I'm talking about real articles. No, I mean, I've I've heard some other things before. I I just, I felt like that that was going to take this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) You weren't ready ready to go that deep dive yet. (laughs) What did you all think about um, the portrayal? um, I was trying to figure out who that, the woman, the the, the shorter Panther woman that they were trying to, uh, that they portrayed in there, who she was an amalgamation Mm -hmm. of. They they kept saying it was like amalgamation of a couple of different women. But I know that- Judy who she played. Yeah, but that's that I look like that she does that carrot person doesn't exist. But mm. the uh the, the crazy thing, so everybody knows the character that left when Bobby Seal, not Bobby Seal, um Bobby Rush, the character that left when um right before Fred got killed that morning is the only person to be Barack Obama in a president in a in a, a race a, a, a campaign. Mm. Oh really? For Congress. Yeah, Bobby Rush is a congressman. Okay. He beat Barack Obama. And then uh, shout out to my boy Jeff, who beat his son for state rep. <laughs> I know he'll appreciate that. He beat, my, he beat his son for state rep. Okay. But no, but I was thinking about the mentality. Think about Bobby. And then Bobby Rush had to turn himself in five days later, even though they shot up their crib. Think about like, like, you know, Scott, that's like if you was over one of your boys' houses and you was like, yo, I'm going to go home, kick it with my wife. And everybody in the crib gets shot up. Like a couple of hours after you left, <laughs> like what meant, like what survivor's remorse would you have of like, yo, I was literally just there and just yeah. dapped up everybody and walked out. Well, I mean, in, in the, in the specific situation we're talking about probably a lot because, you know, there's the, the notion that we're all there working together for the common good of our people. I mean, let's be honest. There are some situations where you could have left a, a place and the people get shot up and you go. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, okay, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Like that, that, that trap house was going to get shot up. Exactly. Right, yeah. Like that's why I left. I left the name. Right. <laughs> but in general, I'm talking about somebody's general crib and you and then everybody yeah. gets shot up. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What are you saying, Ray? Uh, 
Was Lil Rel's character a real? It, I mean, he's just credited as Wayne. <laughs> was he See, supposed to be? Me and Teddy had another argument about this. I wish he'd have got on here, man. He thinks that that was not just another informant like O'Neill. Yeah, thought I, thought, another, I, I thought I thought it was another I, FBI I, agent. I thought he was another informant too, but I just I was like, do they just want to put everybody from Get Out in here? And they thought he just needed a role. I just I don't know. It just seemed thrown in there. That was one thing I didn't particularly care for. I mean, Lil Rel's from Chicago, too. You got to remember that as well. Uh, it I mean, had I, nothing to do with him or his portrayal. It was the character and, like, lack of development and, like, yeah. I think that's trying to show oh. how, how much tentacles the FBI has, like, into everywhere. I, I I understand that, too. It's just the way they introduced it. I'm like, did y'all, like, run out of money? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It just, it was too thrown in for me. So I mean, I, I, I figured he was with some type of law enforcement. I don't necessarily know, know if it was FBI, although the conversation that they had kind of suggested it because the first thing he said is, oh, so they letting, they letting brothers in the FBI now, you know, uh, it seemed kind of condescending. But the simple fact is that he had a piece of evidence that only an FBI agent would have had. And so he, he I feel like that because, you know, I feel like he, that had to have been a relationship more trusted than an informant because that's a lot of juice to trust an informant with, you know, particularly to play that straight role. Like, you know, you'd want somebody who's, like I said, a minimum law enforcement, but probably, you know, another, you know, groomed FBI agent uh, to, to handle that particular task. But I feel like if he was really an FBI agent, there's so few at that time. I feel like everybody would know who the fuck he was. I mean, the first black FBI agent I looked it up was 1910. So, mm -hmm. Black people been in the FBI for like right. 50 years before that. So it may be way more than we think that was in the FBI then. Right. And he didn't have to be from Chicago. They could have brought an agent from a different part of the country to New come Jersey. in. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, so you bring this agent in for a short period of time just to to, to be able to, you know, infiltrate and 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 observe without you know standing out. Mm -hmm. He doesn't necessarily have connections to the community, so he's not, you know, in certain spaces. But if you put him in a situation like this, a bar or a nightclub, someplace where he wouldn't necessarily, you know, stand out. He legitimately and authentically speaks the language of the people and, and, the, and that culture. So, I mean, he, he he only has to act and make himself known when he had to. I mean, he had to, you know, no one suspected anything other than us being familiar with who that actor was about the role of that character until he spoke, you know? So, yeah. I mean, in, in, yeah. Some, yeah, in, some, in some instances, it's kind of like, you know, the the weekly cop shows, you know, it's like, well, you watch this show and then you see the special guest star and you go, oh, they're probably the one who killed this person. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, it's like, you're, you're the person I recognize who's down the show week to week, you know, so. Um, yeah, and that's kind of the point though, because it seems like just like a character or a role that was created for a little rail to be in the movie and probably not historically accurate. It probably is though. He's cool it felt like brothers, it. probably. He probably called it, you know you're going to have to put me in that movie, right? Yeah, like, that's, <laughs> that's how it felt. <laughs> no, 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 the more you think about it, Ray, like Lucas Brothers probably did get a call from Lil Ray, like, hey, y'all doing a movie in Chicago? Ain't nobody from Chicago in it? Right. Y'all gonna write me apart. <laughs> what y'all think about Algie Smith and um, what's the other brother that uh, um, they that we just talked about that was from Moonlight? Um, Ashton Sanders. Yeah, what did y'all think about Algie Smith? Is it made me think about that, Scott? What you just said? When he shows up in the movie, I know he's gonna die. He's only survived the New Edition story of any of his stuff he's been in. No really? bullshit. Yeah. No, look, no I'm talking, even on TV shows. Oh wow. 
I, I every interview, I'm like, yo, you done everything, dog. Like you're like the red shirt in like on on Star Trek. Like as soon as you show up, like, oh, he gonna die. <laughs> and then when he said his name, I was like, dang, he is gonna die because I knew that character. I'm like, he gonna die. That dude dies in every movie. <laughs> yeah, that young man will make me a true cougar, though. He is something about that little man is so sexy. And, you know. I don't, I mean, to me, I just thought it was Rolf Tresman trying to shoot us some cops. And I was like, this don't seem right. But I just, it, it, took me, it took me out a little bit with him playing that role. And, that, and that's my fault for not giving him the opportunity. I was like, man, Rolf Tresman need to quit shooting at these white cops. I know that. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I was, uh, so I look at him more as a serious actor now because, you know, it's, yeah, identifying him as, as you know, basically as Ralph Tresman from the you know, New Edition story. It's like that's one thing. Okay, well, you know, he's he, he, you kind of project the feelings you have about New Edition there. Well, you know, obviously great performers, but you know, more um, more PG thirteen, you know, and and their content. But you know, he's going out hunting cops, you know, in the middle of a yeah. shootout, you know, going, going back, like stopping, having a chance to get away, going back to actually, you know, do more damage and put in more work. It's like. That makes me, you know, this because he, he he was compelling. You know, he was compelling, and he he was committed to the, the part. So I mean, I thought I, mean, I thought he did a really good job. He doesn't die euphoria either. I'm sorry, yeah, he don't die euphoria. That's uh the TV show with us uh, Zendaya. He don't die on there. He's still alive on there so far. He is. Don't give away any. Spoilers. I know, but I, but I'm just trying. I mean, hopefully he dies his next season. If he dies his next season, I'm I'm just gonna be like, dog, like, yo, who's your agent? <laughs> yeah, no, I he's. I'm proud of him. Somebody yeah. else, I just like watching his career blossom, him and Ashton Sanders. Although he's 26 also, because I was thinking maybe it would have been cool to see them playing those roles. Even though they're um, close to the same, they're not too much younger than Daniel and um, Lakeith. They still come across as a lot younger. Um, yeah. But I did think about the two of them in those lead roles, and I'm not sure they either of them could have pulled it off, but I'm proud of where they're both going in their careers. I really liked Algie Smith in Detroit. There's another very intense movie to watch. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> it's it was it was hard. It was yeah. hard to watch. Um have you watched it Scott? Yeah I have seen. I have not watched it yet. I still got it on DVR. Mm -hmm. It's been on DVR for like three or four years. Yeah. <laughs> it's angering off. I still haven't seen Amistad. Oh no that was not that bad as bad as is is Detroit. I know that's so like comparatively well <laughs> I still ain't seen uh 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 uh, ten, uh, four, uh, eight. I mean, was it twelve years a slave? I saw that once. That's one like I don't, I don't need to see it again. Yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't. I still don't. It's on my DVR too. That's actually the first movie I recorded on this DVR and I moved in. <laughs> was that? And I still haven't watched it. Well, I've been here seven years. <laughs> hey, hey, it's a certain. You have to be in the mood for certain things, and that's a that no, that's a topic I'm really in the mood for. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean, and I don't know when. Like every time I am. It's always something new that give me like like I may have been in the mood for this, but I'm watching the, the movie we just were reviewing, you know, and I just, I'm never gonna probably watch it. Yeah. Yeah. The only slave movie I have watched more than once is Django. That's different. That's that's like an action <laughs> movie though. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen that more than once. You only seen it once? <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh no, I watched that at least once a year. Like I gotta be honest with you. Quentin Tarantino, but after Kill Bill Two. He's not made a movie that I feel like I need to watch again. Oh, I love Quentin. Uh, and Glorious Bastards, I probably watched. Oh, I love that too. I watched that too. I have never made it through that movie all the way through. I fall asleep during it. Wow. Give it another chance. I went to go see it in the theaters twice, fell asleep in it both times. 
And then like one night, you know, on, on the couch, you know, watching it on streaming service, fell asleep. Well, it movie. is, I think, I think like over 70% of the movie is in either French, German, or um, Italian. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not that, I mean, I, I mean, I watch anime. I can, I can watch things in subtitles. <laughs> I just, I, I, it just, it doesn't resonate with me as much. Fair enough. All right. What'd you all think about um, some of the, uh, the, the with, uh, the, the final character I'm thinking about is uh, um, oh man, I can't think of it. Uh, well, we talk about Martin Sheen a little bit as Larry. Y'all think his makeup was like kind of messed up as uh, Larry Hoover? I don't, I don't know if it was messed up. I thought it was a tad unnecessary. Um, like because I, I recognize as Martin Sheen, I thought, I thought that man, but Martin Sheen had plastic surgery. If I was too- <laughs> <laughs> so, I realized, oh no, they're trying to make him look like J. Edgar Hoover. I go, huh, that was that was interesting. And you know, like I, I think what it is is that. In 2021, how many people are so familiar with J. Edgar Hoover's face that you had to adjust for his, you know, his particular you face? I don't even know what he looks like for real. Like, so they wouldn't even. It could have been. It could have been you, Scott. And like, oh, okay, that's J. Edgar Hoover. I guess he's playing him. Like, like all right. But is Martin Sheen being Martin Sheen too distracting? Oh, that's what you're thinking then. But he would. They were like, oh, if he's Martin Sheen in it, then mm-hmm. that's a good like, point. He's Mar- that's Martin Sheen, not J. Edgar. Right. Like, man, I'm gonna laugh. But no, I, but I feel like I feel like the opposite is the case. I feel like Martin Sheen brings a gravitas to the role that when you see Martin Sheen, like he's the white guy in charge. Like you know, like if you if you walk in and have Martin Sheen the white guy in charge, like yeah, I buy that. Like okay, he's running. Like, I, yeah, exactly. So what? So your everybody's last thoughts. What did everybody give it? Give it overall. Are we on a scale of one to five or ten? I can't five. remember. Five. I would give it a four. I give it a solid four. About you, Scott. Uh, yeah, three and a half, four stars sounds about right. Yeah, or four might four as well. Um, I think that I mean, do you think that any uh, awards could be won for this movie? Anybody, any roles that? Um, I know it's nominated for a couple of Golden Globes. Um, if Daniel's not nominated, I, I so let me see what I, mean, are I already it? played Delroy Lindo. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, yeah. So Daniel yeah. nominated for best supporting actor. And then um, her is nominated for best song, a Golden Globe fight for you. I okay. must admit, I don't remember what that song sounded like, but I like her, so. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, man, I think both, both of those nods are, are, are appropriate. Um, yeah. I, I, think, I think, I actually think he could get a directorial nod. I mean, it doesn't like he did, but I mean, I think, I think was it, you said second movie? Second movie, yeah. Newly <laughs> Weeds is his first movie. Yeah, this is this is an amazing sophomore uh sophomore yeah. project. So yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I mean I think I think that that should count for something, you know. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's it's a it's a good I I like seeing these type of films though. I you if you'd have told asked me 5 years ago would a Fred Hampton anything be made? I was like the white people read the script. Mm-hmm. Like I would that's the first thing I was like and who was who got them high? To like <laughs> sign off for this because I was like, ain't no way they're gonna make a friend anything with Fred Hampton in there besides him having like a guest starring role. So to me, this was you know a okay with me. I was just surprised we even got this this far of this film to me. Ditto. So with movies not being released in theaters, I don't understand like where the box office money is coming from. Like, what are they considering when they're talking about the box office? Like well, streaming worldwide, worldwide, worldwide. Okay, so some of the theaters off- in other countries are still open, so. Okay. 
So there, the opening weekend was two million seventy thousand dollars, which, if it's not even open in theaters, I think it's pretty. Yeah, what's the um, what's the did it say a budget on there for it? Um, let me see. And that was just domestic. Um, I don't see the budget. It couldn't have been that much, though. I know that. Um, it says a budget of 26. 26 million? 26 million. Yeah. They made that back easy. So, yeah, so a 10 percent take over the first weekend? Yeah, yeah. and on top of that, you got to think that they're looking at the streaming, the capabilities of how many people jumped on, you know, HBO Max, or had it already. You know, they look at those kind of analytics as well. So they made good money, man. I mean, uh, Warner Brothers is putting everything on their streaming app this year and theaters. So it's gonna be this is gonna be everything. And I mean everything is gonna be on there. Mortal Kombat just dropped. That's gonna be on HBO Max in April. Everything they're doing is gonna be on there. Coming to America March 5th. We said what's March 5th? Coming to America too. That's right. Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. I mean that that acts that trailer actually looked funny to me the second one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I'm actually I excited, man. I'm actually excited. You have me back for the, the Snyder Cut, right? Yeah, man. I don't know, man. The Snyder Cut. The first cut wasn't that good to me. <laughs> so, I don't <laughs> so I don't know. So I don't know if the second is I don't know. I, I mean, it has to be better, though, right? No, I mean, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. That's like me. That's like you like saying you're going to redo a date with a woman after the first date. Like, my first impression is already there. It's gonna be you're gonna have to go beyond upper and beyond and impress her probably at this point. I mean, my first my first uh my first encounter with my wife was terrible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he didn't even know her real name for a minute. What? Yeah. What was your then? We we can finish this story. I, I, we stop recording. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I said we don't want to rehash that. <laughs> Shout out to Kimmy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where, where can everybody hit y'all lit up online? On Instagram, I my Instagram account was mysteriously deleted. So is I that have mysterious. A new... Are you saying it's mysterious? Or do you? No, know no, oh, okay. I don't like. I woke up one day and it was gone. Like for real, I don't know what the hell happened to it. All my pictures last seven years, however long it's been gone. So I am now quote the <laughs> Ray Bay. So did you hit up Instagram and ask them like did they retrieve it for you? I did. Nobody. Nobody ever responded. I don't know what to Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, well, they probably, you don't want anybody to hit you up, do you, Scott? I don't have social media, so there's nothing there. Right, that's, there's no point. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. all right. Just hey, but I will say, so um, one of the many hats that I wear is mm -hmm. a commissioner for the St. Louis County Civil Service Commission. And today I approved a resolution to make Juneteenth an official St. Louis County holiday. What? <laughs> yes. So would banks be closed and stuff? It's an official holiday. Yes, sir. Oh, snap. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. they, you know, we. Oh man, we need to get this COVID to be over. Because we can't even really get it in like we want to for this. You get a day off for real? Well, if you work for St. Louis County. Right, that's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. A lot I mean, of private employers are not, still yeah, not private right. employers. Get, don't, but we'll get there. Yeah, private employers I, don't give off MLK Day. So, I mean. I, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't did. Think I, I don't think I've ever went to work on Juneteenth. <laughs> I don't think I was like. <laughs> I feel like even since like even I worked at Blockbuster Video as a kid, I don't think I went to work on Juneteenth. He said Blockbuster Video. <laughs> like, like bagging groceries at the grocery store. Nope. <laughs> like, no, not. I mean. 
All right, everybody. Thank y'all for listening as always. We'll see y'all soon. <laughs> Peace.